Hello and welcome to Close Calls on the 42.e brought to you in association with Air Sport. Uh, you know the scale at this stage. Uh, every week around this time on a Friday we'll be looking ahead to the biggest sporting event of the weekend and dialing up the hottest pundits in the game to preview uh, the weekend's action. My name is Gavin Casey. I'm joined in studio by Ben Blake of the 42. Ben, her tricks? Not too bad, Gavin. Great for having being here. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, we're also joined, uh, well, we've decided to give it migs uh, Not quite till the end of the season, but uh, certainly for the next 20 minutes or so. Chief football writer with the Independent, Miguel Delaney, joins us. How are things, Miguel? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Just back from a Roy Hodgson press conference, so that was as Roy Hodgson press conferences go, but, you know, happy enough despite that. Uh, he had a peculiar take on James Bond, Miguel, by all accounts. Yeah, to be fair to him, that the question was a bit peculiar. Um, I think it was on the broadcast, actually, you probably, you probably see it, but yeah. He was asked about his no goals, um, no wins record and seven defeats, which is obviously 007, and whether he was uh, shaken or stirred by that. <laughs> and his response was, I'm not a James Bond fan. Uh, well, I have to say, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with him on that. Oh, fair I'm enough. Yeah, it's a, well, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah, we could veer off here in an ungodly direction. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Liverpool versus United, which is what we're going to be talking about today, uh, we'd be remiss, really, not to mention a legendary night in Cardiff. Uh, ben Blake, you've returned from the Welsh capital. You're only half a man, really, since uh, what went on over there. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, unbelievable night. Listen, um, bag of nerves, I suppose, for 90 minutes, just even when it, we were going into injury time, still kind of question whether we could see it out, but it was... One of those incredible nights, you know, got the result in the end, I suppose, went over with, Martin O'Neill went over with a, a game plan to, to frustrate and to not to concede and we had some heroic performances when you look throughout the team, Darren Randolph and Shane Duffy, I suppose, in particular, but um, incredible atmosphere at the Cardiff City Stadium, the Welsh fans singing the National Anthem at the start was, was unbelievable and I suppose the Irish fans, the longer the game went on and the more likely it seemed that Ireland would get a result, the, the Irish fans continued to to sing louder and louder. Yeah, I think being in the stadium, like you're naturally going to be nervous um, as the the minutes ticked on. Miguel, I'm not sure if you were there yourself, but like I certainly wasn't. I was watching it from home, and I felt watching it after Ireland scored that they were actually surprisingly comfortable. Like Wales sort of threw their hat in it in a sense, realizing they weren't going to break them down. Uh, I thought they were pretty comfortable after the uh, the Joe Allen uh, injury. To be honest, um, I, I I was actually on my way back from uh, Lithuania. Uh, oh, of course, is my new boat covering England, of course. Uh, but so I watched the first half from the Stansted Express on a, on a pretty slow Wi-Fi stream, and then um, the second half I managed to get home for. But you know, like that was, once Alan went off, I think to be honest, Wales kind of bottled it a bit. I mean, you would probably have to say that in terms of quality, even without Bale, they're probably maybe just a better side in terms of technical ability, maybe just a better side than us now. But they kind of they, they didn't really show that. Um, and I think it's one thing you have to credit. Actually, it's funny. Um, over here, like we we play a media five aside, six aside on a Wednesday afternoon, just because of our bizarre hours. And there's two Welsh journalists who play with us, and the bitterness from them is actually ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you, you took 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 us down to your level by taking out our playmaker. All of this, you know, you you get hammered by the next first team you play, but. I don't think Ireland would because I think a capacity this side has been. Now, I think you can have a lot of justifiable criticisms of O'Neill, but yet the amount of massive results he's got when it's really come down to is actually it's hugely impressive. And to be honest, unprecedented. It probably even trumps Charlton because even with Charlton, those games were usually kind of draws, ensuring that you know the one-all became the classic result of our history, the, the moral victory. But with O'Neill, the amount of time he's actually gone next step and got the win it's it's usually creditable 
Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of um, our next opponents, whoever they might be, is there anybody in particular that you would fancy? Uh, both of you, maybe. I might start with yourself, Ben. Like, I suppose we've heard kind of from people saying, well, whoever it is, they won't want to draw Ireland. And like, I'd strongly disagree with that, regardless of how good a result that was in Cardiff. I still think we're the weakest team. Um, well, one of the weaker teams that, that are left in it. But by the same token, as Miguel says there, under Martin O'Neill, we have this unpre- unprecedented ability to dig it out and just get this win. So, given or with that in mind, who would you be looking forward to? I'd love to avoid Croatia at all costs, and uh, I suppose next after that, maybe Italy. I know we beat Italy not too long ago, but it, it was our second team at the end of the day. Um, the Swiss had a great um, record in the qualifiers. They'd won all nine of their games before they played Portugal this week, and and then lost in the in the final game two 0 But it was. It, look to be a, a fairly weak group so I, I don't think we have a huge amount to fear from, from Switzerland and, and Denmark yeah I think we, we probably give them a good game over two legs as well We owe them for Clan McNoise as well Miguel is there anybody in particular you uh, think would suit Ireland stylistically or anybody that stands out? Um, to be honest I, I think I'd agree with Ben on one side I'd actually want to avoid about anything a Croatia yeah, funnily enough I was talking to a journalist based in Italy during the week and, and when, when the point was made about O'Neill and his capacity for wins they said that actually the, on, on Italian television and even some some former pros about they want to avoid Ireland because they just seem to have this capacity to make life difficult for you. So it's one of the teams that Italy that Italy don't want to play actually. Mm. Uh, and I think Italy, Italy are a bit of a low out themselves. I think they're more beatable than you're ever really going to get them to be honest. Even more beatable than in Euro 2016 when they had they were through and had a weakened team or whatever. But it's still a Conte side. I wouldn't now obviously you wouldn't want Italy, but I wouldn't necessarily be too frightened if we got them. I think Croatia. Are a better side right now. Denmark, I'd be only slightly wary of, I suppose, because the form of Christian Eriksen looks on fire. Um, and Switzerland, Switzerland is always a funny one in that sense. They are one of these. I mean, we even saw with Austria in the, in the last Euros, they kind of they, they had a perfect record in qualifying, but yet ended up being a, a, a usually beatable side. And, and Switzerland looked very ordinary against Portugal um, on, on Tuesday night. So uh, yeah, be just Croatia to be honest. Yeah, well, that's speaking of uh, setting up defensively, absorbing pressure and looking to nick a, a cheeky goal on the break. Uh, Liverpool hosts Manchester United in the Premier League. Uh, the international exhilaration is finished and now it's time for a Premier League break, a much derided Premier League break. Um, Miguel, you literally wrote a piece today in The Independent about, I suppose, the recent history of this fixture and um, how it's flattered to deceive so often. I mean, this is the feverishly anticipated sequel to Red Monday and it is... Uh, potentially going to stink the gaff out again like do you think we might see a more um, so, I don't know expansive attractive entertaining game tomorrow or is it going to be much of the same uh, the, the one thing I suppose I could save is the fact that you know Klopp is Klopp and will attack I think that was one thing about la- the last year's game I mean I don't, th- I don't think he'd put that on Klopp um, Mourinho obviously set it up defensively that day and I was so concerned with Liverpool's attack even brought it up afterwards but to be fair to Mourinho one thing about him and I, th- I think this happens when he was Chelsea manager, I mean, if everyone remembers his, in his first season back at Chelsea, that, that game at Anfield where, you know, <laughs> they made an absolute virtue over sitting as deep as possible and ruining Liverpool's title chances. But then a few months on, when he had more of a team that he wanted, they were much more assertive and attacking. So I think that could potentially save this game because yeah, I, I think United will come out a bit more and they'll want to kind of maximise the form they're on. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was in relation to this, the history of this fixture, it was, it was something I got thinking of actually with all that Red Monday uh, rubbish last year and how bad the game was. And that was in the deer. And it, it, it did feel as if 
the hype had never been greater and the game never been worse. But it did it did kind of get me thinking about how this match is always actually for the last 10, 15 years has been pretty bad. It's always a bit of a letdown. Um, so it kind of I just thinking of that I did I did a piece with the Independence uh, for today and spoke to a few kind of former United and Liverpool players. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a few reasons for it, uh, even from what they said. I mean, Mikhail Silvestre, who uh, I spoke to for the piece, and like he's he one of the players he's probably he probably never had, or in terms of introductions to that match, there's probably never been one as intense as Silvestre. He signed for United on the Thursday and was in the team on the Saturday morning. Um, no, very few instructions from Ferguson. And that, that game was uh, actually actually one of the last kind of helter-skelter matches. Um, it was a 3-2 where Carragher scored twice. And actually, since then, there's only been one game, in, and this is in, what, in 18 years, only one game between the two sides where both of them have scored more than one goal in the game. That was the Berbatov hat-trick in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, got, he was kind of describing about how much this was, was a bit of a free-fall. Whereas by the time he left United, kind of close to a decade later, 06, 07, even even Ferguson, he said like the, the game plans were so um, were so detailed. All the, there was so much more instructions. I said players rather than being driven by the passion of the match, as is the case in the past, and as what as Ian Rush and uh, Steve Nichol were saying to me, players are kind of they're much more conscious now of you know the, their instructions. And I think that's probably then maximised by the fact that how big this fixture has become. That it, 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 last year was a perfect example. It was. It was so discussed that it created this kind of massive pressure on the match, and because of that, you're always going to get, I suppose, more, more constrained football. And I think the, stuff like the kind of the Luis Suarez racism saga and all probably played into this because it just it, 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 it meant you, you couldn't give any quarter. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that explains why. It's, I mean, if you think about it as well, when was the last really memorable? Like, uh, there have been moments. Like, you know, Gerard getting sent off 40, 46 seconds after coming on or whatever the exact uh, time was. There have been moments, but they've all come over fairly dreary games. And when, when was the last actually properly cracking match you can remember between the two of them? Yeah, like, like I mean, maybe the only iconic one in recent times was probably 4-1, but not necessarily because it was an entertaining game, but more so it was impactful. Um, ben, I yeah. suppose if you look at uh, the two teams tomorrow, like... There are key figures missing as well, and you'd kind of wonder maybe it'll open up space a little bit. Like Fellaini is missing, obviously for United and Pogba ruled out. We think kind of long term or at least medium term. You'd expect Ander Herrera to slot in there, and then conversely, Liverpool are missing a, a very important player in Sadio Mane. Like, how do you see it unfolding, and uh, how do you see United lining up for, for example, uh, tomorrow? I I don't necessarily see the players missing opening up space, but I I do think um, there's going to be opportunities. Like you said, Ander Herrera hasn't. Uh, been a regular so far this season, but he he's likely to come in, and it's one of the kind of type of games that he's he he'll relish. He's the, he's like the the player version, I suppose, of Mourinho in terms of going out and and just kind of um sticking to your guns and and doing the job that's been been uh, ta- you've been tasked with. Um, in terms of Liverpool, obviously Mane missing out, having been injured in the international week, um, with Senegal, I suppose that probably means that Coutinho more likely to be. Push from the midfield tree into into the forward tree to play alongside Firmino and and uh, Salah. Mm. Um, there's been a bit of talk the last couple of days, obviously over the, t- the, the pair that I just named there were away with Brazil up until Tuesday. 
meaning they had a, a long flight back and they only kind of arrived into Melwood, I think, Thursday morning. Um, I was just reading quotes from Klopp this morning and he kind of suggested that, yeah, it's a long flight, but at the same time, they would have been pretty comfortable given he's seen the, the price it cost to fly them home. <laughs> same as uh, Miguel coming back from Lithuania. Uh, what about uh, Liverpool then, Miguel? Like, I mean... Klopp, as you mentioned, like uh, maybe wasn't necessarily to blame for the sort of stagnation of, of the game last year or this corresponding fixture last year. Um, is there a way that were United to line up similarly or at least sit back deep that he can change things up this time around? Like, because I think if you look at it on the whole, there's an argument to be made that Liverpool have maybe regressed slightly from that stage this uh, last season. Yeah, I mean they're not free scoring anyway, and it does. I mean, I, mean, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. And, it was kind of mentioned that other piece it did because um, I had heard that after the Newcastle game which was the latest kind of well not a blank but the latest kind of frustration they had Klopp has been considering changing things up uh, but I suppose on the one hand they're making all the chances and it, it, it does feel like if they get one if they get to a game where they get one or two and they're suddenly two nil ahead they'll be released and everything will be fine on, on the other hand it does speak to maybe some, something bigger than that I mean it, I mean, Salah's I think one of the most frustrating players in that way because there's so many times where he's basically true on goal in an opportune position, and then has this kind of very odd kind of fluff of a finish. And he's supposed to, he's taking the Mane role tomorrow, um, and so they won't they just won't have that same thrust about them. But yeah, so I mean, I had heard that there was really after the Newcastle game there was nothing off the table for Klopp. We would even consider changing the system. But I do wonder, given how little time he's had to work with um, his main player, particularly as I mentioned there, with the, with, the, with the two lads from Brazil being away until Thursday morning. He, he, he would go for that radical change in, in that limited time, and especially the fact that it's, it's United. And also, it could be exactly the wrong thing, because I suppose, you know, as, as has been so discussed, um, Klopp, Klopp's sides have such a great record against the rest of the top six, because, and I think the, one fair rationale for that is because the better sides are more willing to come out and play, and it means Liverpool have something to react to and more importantly, space to break into. Now, the interesting thing about last season's game, but United didn't play like the rest of the top six sides against Liverpool. They played like a bottom 14 side and they sat back and sat deeply and frustrated them. Whereas if we if we expect Mourinho to um, play more assertively this, in this match, and I think uh, it was fair to expect that, uh, given, given United's form, given how he wants to make a point, then suddenly it, it could actually play into... Uh, the club's hands in that sense. So sort of admit perhaps a change for this game would be the wrong thing to do because United will play in, in, in that in, bizarrely in, in, that, in that excellent way that is actually excellent for Liverpool. Um, so it's, it, there's almost a little bit of a, a dilemma for both managers in that sense, I think. Both have a big decision, but then the success of that decision is almost based on whether the other one go, makes his decision too. Yeah, big time. I, like One of the things um, you mentioned, like reading quotes from players and I think it was uh, Salah who Miguel mentioned there was talking about how Liverpool have to be prepared to fight United and I can't help but wonder do Liverpool players expect this to be an extremely physical game from United's uh, on United's part at least because obviously they recruited a lot of um, big men strong men uh, and that's been you know well discussed well discoursed uh, at this point that Mourinho has an extremely tall team he likes physicality whatever it, last year wasn't necessarily that type of game it was just more I suppose it was more it was tactical in, in more of a positional sense in that there wasn't necessarily tackles flying in it was just both teams cancelling each other out can you see United trying to sort of impose a physicality tomorrow like is that the right way to go about a game in Anfield where you've got uh, well now 50 odd thousand people screeching at you for every uh, indiscretion I'd say they probably will, to be honest. Like you said, it's a team full of six plus, 
six foot plus men the type of team that Gordon Strachan would love to have <laughs> I, I know he's left the Scotland job in the last few days but that is exactly what he was talking about in terms of genetics with, with Scotland the other day um, we mentioned Ander Herrera he, he'll, he'll be throwing himself about and kind of at times plays on the edge and you wouldn't be too surprised at seeing maybe a yellow or red card that way um, Nemanja Matic has come into the midfield and, and done I suppose wonders to, to the team in terms of what he brings so could well happen, yeah. Uh, is there anyone on United Team Miguel that, like, say, of their new recruits that could, I suppose, influence this game to, to transport differently to the corresponding fixture last year? Like, obviously, Lukaku it would yeah. maybe would be the standout one in that you can probably afford to counter attack with a bit more pace now, uh, given that it's not Slatan up there, sort of, well, clogging yeah. things up would be the, probably the wrong term for it, but you know. And yeah, you'd fancy Lukaku against those two Liverpool centre halves as well. Uh, but I think, in terms of the tone of the game and how Mourinho will play, I think Matic is, is crucial to that. And again, it comes back to that difference between, um, between Chelsea one season. I know Matic was there uh, for half of Mourinho's first season at Chelsea, or his first season back at Chelsea. Mm. But I think the one thing with Mourinho is that if he doesn't have complete confidence in a side or he... Um, he well, basically, he, he, he doesn't have a problem with pressing forward and being proactive and kind of attacking so long as there is solidity. And he won't sacrifice that solidity for attacking football, which is why I think what you, you see in games like last season and in games like that first one, the, the infamous 2-0 two, two where they sat back so deep, or the famous 2-0 if you like, mm. depending on what persuasion you are. <laughs> um, um, basically, if, he doesn't have, if a team isn't completely his own, he, he, he will sit back deep and he, he, will, he will protect at all costs. But when it is done, he has a bit more confidence. And I think Matic gives him that confidence because it's a team that gives him the platform. It means he maintains that solidity. And when they go forward, with their, they, in theory, don't, don't, give up any, don't give up anything when they are going forward. Uh, so I think that will cause uh, at least to be as a, a little bit more open than last year. Or, or at least United will come out a bit more and kind of press on. They won't just be, you know, scrabbling for half chances like they did in that last game when Zlatan missed that header. Um, and I, I know there was a big debate actually last season about had, had Latan scored that header, it would have been another Mourinho, Mourinho masterclass. But I'm not sure that's the case really, because uh, it, it wasn't one of those. It wasn't one of those games where, like, say, when he was Chelsea manager in 2013-14 and they beat Man City away from home with uh, Ivanovic's goal. It wasn't good, they were, as in they were solid and um, and yet always posing a threat. I think tomorrow will be much more like that. Interesting. Well, boys, we'll come back to you for both of your predictions in a second. We did first catch up with the gooch, Colin Cooper, who is a self-professed Liverpool fan. He had this to say on tomorrow's fixture. Here's gooch. Uh, look, it's been very mixed, to be fair. You know, I expected a lot more. You know, Salah's come in and done really, really well. Um, I still think we're missing a top-class striker, if I'm being honest. Um, Firmino is efficient, but does he get enough goals? I'm not, I'm not sure, not for a team like Liverpool. Um, so they look so good going forward, but same old story defensively. Conceding goals from corners, conceding weak goals, soft goals. Um, I think if they're to move to the next level and really talk about challenging the top the top teams, they need they need to buy centre-backs, they need to they need to buy maybe a holding midfield player as well. I know Keita has bought for next year, but um, I think Champions League would be a big would be a big achievement this year if they got there. I don't think they're going to challenge for the title. Um, but look, you never know. I think they're extremely strong going forward, as good as any team in the league going forward with Mane, Salah, um, Coutinho. So um, hopeful for the weekend. 
Um, it's a big, big game. Playing at home against United doesn't get any bigger. And they, the one thing about Liverpool is they always rise to the occasion. So I'm expecting a big, big performance the weekend. And I'd certainly take any sort of win now, 1-0 or 3-1 or 3-2. I'd certainly take that. Ah, the Gooch uh, questioning Liverpool's defence there. What would Ken Early make of it all? Ben, uh, let's start with you in terms of predictions. How do you see it going tomorrow? Like, who wins and why? I think, as it has been over the last couple of years, it's going to probably be a cagey affair. Um, most likely won by the odd goal. Um, United are, are significantly improved on last year. As we both as we saw already, both sides are, are missing a couple of key players, but... I'm going to go with Manchester United to win by one goal. And Lukaku has a poor record against Liverpool over his career. I think it's one and seven, but I'd fancy him to get one tomorrow. Yeah, I suppose um, that was an argument about Lukaku when he moved to United, like this flat track bully thing. I think that's sort of been disproven. And also there was a load of factors that you could have put against that anyway. But I suppose, Miguel, this is United's first uh, real test of the season. Like they have had a a very favourable opening in terms of fixtures. Um, Like... (sighs) Do you think that matters, like uh, that it is their first proper test going to Anfield? Will that influence their performance in any way? And who do you reckon is is going to take it tomorrow, if anybody? Um, well, I still, I, I think it's important that start in the sense that, I, I don't want to say United's um, early form has been illusory, but I do wonder whether they're quite as good as some of these scorelines. Like, I mean, there's more, I think three of the 4 nil wins have come kind of sudden goal gluts when the opposition has collapsed, mm. which does kind of, you know, change a bit. And, I, I was at there. It's the one time I've seen them live so far this season. Uh, like I'm going tomorrow, but the one time I've seen was away to Southampton. And to be honest, they were they were awful. Yeah. Like it was a really bad performance. Um, and, and Lukaku again, kind of, I suppose, showing his value, just got the goal that made a difference. But had Southampton been able to score any sort of goal themselves at all, uh, it could have been very different. Um, so I'm still not entirely sure. I, mean, I think they are better, but I'm still not exactly sure of their quality. But in that sense. They could be fortunate again that they might have got Liverpool at exactly the right time. Um, I do think there'd be a response from Liverpool, though. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say one all draw. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I suppose we can't expect too much entertainment. So, gents, thanks for that. Uh, Miguel, pleasure as always. Thanks so many for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Man. Enjoy the game. Cheers, Miguel. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Ben, cheers. We'll chat you in about two minutes there over at our uh, computers. That's all we've got time for here on Close Calls for this week. We'll be back again next Friday. Our thanks to Air Sport as per usual. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy your weekend and we'll chat to you next week.